Hi there and welcome to Inside Rugby League, the podcast brought to you by the Yorkshire Evening Post. My name's Richard Byram and joining me on the line as usual this week is my colleague Peter Smith. Peter, as you'll know, is the Yorkshire Evening Post Chief Rugby League Writer and he spent last weekend in London where he saw finals involving Featherstone Rovers and Lee, Huddersfield Giants and Wigan. And unfortunately for us Yorkshiremen, neither of our sides were able to come up with the goods on the day. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't exactly a glorious weekend for uh, for West Yorkshire rugby league, was it, Rich? No, um, two defeats, but it was a good occasion. Um, Featherston in the eighteen ninety five cup final. I thought they'd beat Lee, but they didn't really reach the heights they're capable of, and Lee deserved to win that game. But I don't think that'll do Featherston any long term harm. Their aim, ultimate aim, is to beat Lee in the million pound game at the end of the season and secure promotion to Super League and I think having lost at the weekend will give them an idea of where they need to improve and um, what work has to be done going forward I think they'll benefit from it in the long term obviously they they wanted to win but um, you tend to learn more from your defeats than your wins and as I say that was just a bonus the 1895 couple of real businesses um, promotion and the championship grand final and I don't think it'll have any adverse effect on on Rovers in those um, those terms although they did pick up a couple of injuries which is um, a bit of a concern um, Huddersfield against Wigan the better team lost the Challenge Cup final yeah. I thought um, Huddersfield played really well they're on top for most of it um, got caught by a really good Wigan try at the start of the second half but showed a lot of resilience bounced back and we're in front with five minutes to go, but we can call them with a kick, um, which is a painful way to lose. They kicked behind the defence and scored, and there wasn't time for Huddersfield to come back. The, the tough thing for Huddersfield was that they had they had the chances. Wigan hung in really well, as they do. But um, Tui Lola here, who was a standing kicker for Huddersfield, missed four out of five attempts at goal, and obviously... Had a couple of those gone over, they'd have um, they'd have won the game. I don't think you can blame Lola here. I thought he had a, a, an excellent match, um, and he's not a first choice kicker. But it's it was a tough way to lose. Um, I think Huddersfield are, are making strides under Ian Watson, who took over last year. They didn't have a good season last season, but um, he's really making his presence felt now. And they look like to me like a team. If they stay together, he'll be pushing for honours in the next um, season or two. And Wigan just, I think it was um, nine years since their previous win in a Challenge Cup final. But um, Matt Pete, their new coach, has obviously done a fine job. I think they'll feel relieved and a bit fortunate to have got away with it on um, on Saturday, where it doesn't really matter in a Cup final, does it? All that, all that counts is winning it, and they've done that. And... Um, I would imagine Castleford Tigers, who play them on uh, Saturday, will have been absolutely delighted to see Wigan win the cup and celebrating <laughs> long and loud on the pitch afterwards. I think um, you'd have to fancy Castleford on Saturday to um, to see off probably an understrength and a bit hungover Wigan side, which should obviously be good for Cass. They're um, fighting for every point they can get to, to stay in the top six and uh, I think they'll be well up for it this week. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, they always say win or win or lose. Uh, the other teams that are playing the following week against the finalists, it's, a, it's good a chance as any to 
uh, get a win. Uh, obviously, Huddersfield will be feeling a bit down and out. And as you say, Wigan will have celebrated as well. And it's a, a good chance to perhaps catch some cold and maybe get an unexpected win. Like you, I was quite surprised given the number of times that Wigan have won the Challenge Cup, how long it actually was since they'd uh, lifted the trophy. I think in your mind's eye, you assume that, particularly as a fan of Wakefield, that basically Wigan Saints and Leeds win all the trophies between them and, and just share them out every year or every other year. But obviously not the case. It's been a, a long time between drinks for Wigan. And I agree with you. I, I'd be honest, I didn't see the Featherstone game, but I was surprised by the results. Um, I did think Featherstone had win. But like you, I don't think it will, will do them any harm. It's a nice little wake-up call in a, in a cup that they've already won in the past, haven't they? So, uh, you know, as you say, Brian McDermott's a, a wily operator and he'll have spotted the things that Fed need to improve on as the season goes on and, and ultimately when they next play uh, Lee again. And, uh, you know, nice for our old mate Chris Chester as well to have a nice day in the sun for a change after his struggles of the last couple of years. Well, as, as, as I've made no secret, I like I like Chris Chester. Um, I think he's a really good bloke. And I was sorry for him the way things ended at Wakefield, but yeah, fantastic for him to be um, to be part of Lee's when he's on the, the backroom staff there now. And um, yeah, fantastic to see him celebrating at the end. I think one of the problems both teams really have this year is they're just not not playing enough competitive matches. They're both used to blowing sides away. Yeah. And um, I think they both found it quite tough when they came up against opposition who were who were sort of on their level. I think both teams are pretty well matched. And um, you could see that they, they weren't used to going behind. Um, I think Lee, both teams led in the game. I think Lee handled the pressure a bit let, better than um, than Featherstone did. And that's something that Brian McDermott will certainly be um, be looking at over the next um, second half of the season. The, the teams meet again. Um, I think it's next weekend, the weekend after the one coming up in the league. So they're, um, he's going to get a chance to put um, whatever he's learned into, into practice pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, uh, another game, and you do see that in sport, don't you? I mean, people just going off rugby league for one moment, but people have always said, like, the Scottish teams struggle in Europe, Rangers and Celtic in particular, because the only real games they get are against each other. <laughs> so they blow everyone else away, but then when they come to, up against someone who can stand up to them, uh, sometimes they're found out. And, and as you say, obviously, that was Featherstone's turn on Saturday. From uh, the Challenge Cup final point of view, I did see that game and I really enjoyed it. It was my kind of cup final, one that was kind of in doubt right until the very end. I thought Huddersfield were desperately unlucky, particularly when you see that Morgan Smithies has now been banned for four games for two high tackles in a game. I know it's a brave referee who sends a man off in a cup final, but really and truly, uh, you know, I think the whole of Twitter was united, whether you were... a uh, well, probably not the Wigan fans, but everybody else in saying that the bare minimum was a yellow card and, and quite possibly a red for the second transgression, given that it was his second of the game. Uh, but the referee took the action he thought at the time uh, and now Smithies is sitting out for four games with a winner's medal. But I think as well as you touched on, from Huddersfield's point of view, 
it's it's probably only the start for them. Uh, you know, Ian Watson obviously left Salford because he felt he'd take them as far as he could, which was the two finals that they lost. But I'm quite sure that it won't be long before Huddersfield are picking up whether winners' medals, whether that's in the grand final, uh, the winners' ring, or in the Challenge Cup itself. But I think you know, exciting times if you're a Huddersfield fan. They've got a good young, ambitious coach there and some good players. And it was nice as well to see some of the. Although they didn't win, you know, the, the Huddersfield stalwarts like uh, Jermaine McGilvery and Leroy Kudjo and the like uh, ha- having a, a day in the sun uh, sort of at the back end of their careers. Uh, now the result didn't go for them, but uh, I'm sure as Huddersfield and the players were saying after the game, it gives them more focus now to, to target the uh, grand final and I'm sure that they'll be doing that. A lovely try to win the game as well. It has to be said, even though I didn't really, well, I didn't want Wigan to win, and I didn't think they deserved to. But that the try, the try that won the game was superbly crafted, and I think if you were on the other team, you you couldn't really argue with that. Um, as painful as that is for me to say. Um, so you know, a good game, and was it good at Tottenham, Peter? You know, it certainly looked a cracking atmosphere. It looked a decent day weather-wise. Uh, the ground seemed to hold the atmosphere in well and obviously a new pitch and even watching on TV you felt very close to the action uh, you know you felt almost, you know they had some really good camera angles particularly for that last try you know you could see the whole move and it, you know fair play to the BBC they, they'd set it up nicely and, and you know you really felt part of the game Yeah it's a, it's a good venue I'm, I would imagine that Rugby League will be heading back there again at some point in the future quite close to the action it, it felt a bit like a rugby league stadium um, 50,000 there which isn't a great attendance let's be honest no. but it it didn't feel as um, the occasion felt better than it would have done with 50,000 in at Wembley yeah only two thirds the size of um, Wembley I think it's um, about 60,000 to Wembley's 90 odd thousand um, so there were fewer seats. The atmosphere was better. Um, I think you could make a strong case for saying that we'd be better off playing finals in, in venues like that. Um, but I don't think it will happen because um, Wembley's considered the prestigious venue. And I think um, I think the competition would lose some of its luster if it was moved permanently away from um, from Wembley. Well, certainly that's what the, the RFL think and probably the sponsors as well. So I don't think it will happen. But um, again, to only 50,000 for a, a Challenge Cup final is disappointing. I, I know at the moment with the cost of living and the cost of fuel and everything, it's it's difficult. But the RFL really need to, to look at ways of reviving the Challenge Cup because it, it should be sold out every year and and I just think it's such a shame that um, that it's not, whether it's played at Tottenham or, or Wembley. I think the aim should be let's stay at Wembley and let's sell it out. Yeah. Every, and I think the fact that Huddersfield are not one of the better supported teams is a is a concern. It'll be a worry for the RFL if, if Huddersfield do um, start reaching finals on a regular basis. If they do, let's hope it... it starts to attract more fans from the town because they're a team that deserve watching. They play a decent brand of rugby. They've got some good players 
Um, the fans that go are very loyal and, and loud, but there just aren't enough of them. Um, I think had had Leeds got there or Saints or even OKR or, or Cass or Wakey, perhaps there would probably have been um, a bigger attendance, but it is what it is. Um, it was disappointing not to get more, but I say the atmosphere was good. It's a good stadium. Um, I would think it's probably a venue that the RFL will return to maybe for test matches, that sort of thing, yeah. in the future. But I, I think the Challenge Cup will stay at, um, at Wembley in the long run. It's due to return there next year. Um, the reason it didn't this year was that, obviously, the Cup's been played in the summer for the past um, nearly 20 years, since 2005. Um, it's been moved back to spring now, but um, Wembley wasn't available last weekend because of the um, football playoffs. Yeah. But um, they're booked in to return to Wembley next year, and I'm pretty sure that's um, that's the way the, the way forward. As the RFL see it, we'll be going back to um, back to Wembley every uh, every spring, probably around about the same time towards the end of May. Yeah, I have to say I agree with you. Um, I don't, I don't particularly, like you say, believe that Wembley is the is the be all and end all anymore. I mean, obviously, Challenge Cup final, one of the biggest days in the sport, and and it was interesting hearing the Wiggins Australian players Bevan French and. Jay Field talking after the game and saying that there's nothing similar in Australia and what a fantastic experience it had been for them to play in a game that they'd heard so much about and seen, obviously, growing up um, and to actually get the chance to experience it and uh, and their families also. And I don't know how much of their family are actually over here, but obviously to watch it on TV and see them playing in the famous Challenge Cup final was a big thing for them. And it's easy as a commentator as well to forget that obviously it's a big deal for players to play at Wembley, whatever the sport, whether it's league or football or whatever. Everybody, you know, it's the, one of the pinnacles of sport to say you've played at Wembley in a final. Uh, and I can understand all that side of it, but if you're only going, if you're going to have forty thousand empty seats, or not market it in a way in which you sell out the vast majority of the seats, so that the only seats that are empty. Are, are the ones that we can't really see on TV anyway, uh, then, you know, something has to be done about it. Uh, the competition itself, as we've said many times on here, is obviously struggling. And if you do get a team, you know, I agree with you, on a, on a one-off game, I'm sure the whole of Wakefield or Hull or St Helens or Leeds or whatever would empty out for the day to go down to Wembley and watch the team. But... Uh, I just feel for whatever reason and whatever Ken Davies tried, and to be fair to him, he has tried very hard over the years to attract fans, new and young and old, uh, to watch the Giants. But um, people just don't seem willing to take him up on it, uh, despite him, his investments in the team and so on. So, you know, maybe if it has to move in the in the longer term to a ground where it's a sixty thousand sellout, well, surely that's a better look and better for for the game as a whole rather than making a loss for the sake of playing at Wembley. Or, or even as they did when they were building Wembley and they moved it round a bit, didn't they? they? They went up to Edinburgh and down to Cardiff and other places to so maybe take it on the road again for a few years and see if they can't attract new fans that way to come and watch the game. Um, I just I just don't see I just don't see that happening. I think I think the RFL see see Wembley as sort of a jewel in their crown. 
really. They see it as a rugby league venue. Um, there's a rugby league statue, which farcically doesn't include any Yorkshire players. Yes. Outside the venue, um, it, I think they see it as sort of the competition spiritual home. And I just, I just can't imagine they'll they'll switch it. Um, they'll switch it away. As I say, the thing is, if they're going to keep it at Wembley, they're, they're going to have to find some way of of getting the crowds in, aren't they? Yeah. Um, because the atmosphere was better on Saturday than than we've seen at some recent um, some recent Wembley finals. There's no there's no doubt about that, and um, you know the stadium's on a par. I think it's obviously not as big, but um, the sight lines are good. Um, the public transport connections are are easy enough. Um, no real problems that yeah. that I can see. Um, but it's just it's not. It doesn't have the Wembley prestige attached to it, um, unfortunately. I'll, I'll be very interested to see what happens when we go to the Emirates at the end of the season. I think I mentioned last week for the, yes. uh, for the World Cup. That's another North London stadium, and um, I think that's going to be an interesting experience as well. Yeah, yeah. As it, we said on here last week, you know, being fortunate enough to go to the Emirates a few times uh, with my son to watch Arsenal and. You know, that's again, it's a superb ground. Uh, incredibly, it's nearly 20 years old now, but you, you don't get that feeling when you're in there. You know, I think I said last week, there's plenty of seats, space between the seats. And obviously, the padded seats, nice and comfortable, a good view again all the way around the ground, wherever you sat. And, uh, you know, plenty of facilities for bars and toilets and food. And, and again, easy to get to. There's two or three tube trains and Finsbury Park's not far away. And obviously easy to get to from King's Cross as well if you're coming down from the north. So, you know, again, a, an excellent venue and I'm sure one that anybody listening who's got a ticket for who's not been to the Emirates before uh, will really enjoy. And again, it creates a great atmosphere as well um, there when it's, when it's full. So let's hope that... Uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to see games, you know, as I've just said, I, I understand your reasoning and ultimately I agree with you. I don't think that they will take the Challenge Cup final away from Wembley unless it becomes so financially unviable that they've no choice. But, uh, you know, it would be nice to to see games in different places again. And, you know, even a game in the Midlands sometime at somewhere like Villa Park, which is a, another superb uh, venue, um, would be good, but... For now, as you say, I think it will probably stay at Wembley uh, for the foreseeable. Here's a question for you. What would have happened had Featherston and Lee finished all square after 80 minutes? Uh, I honestly don't know. <laughs> they would have shared the trophy. How about that? Would they? Yeah, apparently. Right. There was um, no golden point or anything. Oh, no golden friend. point, no replay. <laughs> The uh, the trophy would have been shared, which I think is very very strange. Um, I quite like the eighteen ninety five cup concept, and I think um, both sets of fans had a good day out. But um, I think the RFL maybe need to to rethink that as a policy. Obviously, there wasn't long between the two games; I think about an hour or so between Featherston and Lee finishing and the Challenge Cup final starting. But yeah, they're they're. Um, the uh, golden point was not included in the timetable, <laughs> so um, so I suppose they'd have had the trophy for six months each. Yeah, had, um, had it been a draw, which it could it could well have been. The scores were um, were level at half time. I'm I'm glad that wasn't the case. 
I think to have a if you're going to have a competition, you have to have a winner. I mean, I'd be all in favour of having a replay. I think we should have a Challenge Cup final replay if it's if it finishes all square. But um, certainly to have a, a tournament without a winner would be a, would be rather strange. Yeah, but one of the few times I would be fully fully supportive of a golden point finish, even if, as you say, just to say that Team X won. Um, you know that I don't really. It's a bit sort of kids football, isn't it? Everybody, everybody winning and everybody sharing a trophy and and so on. It just, you know, it seems a bit strange um, that there isn't ultimately a winner. I'm sure. I'm sure as well. Five minutes or ten minutes extra time each way. Somebody had a potted a drop goal or got a try or something in that time. Given that the players would have been tiring and somebody would have probably made a mistake or given away a penalty or something, which would have would have decided it. Someone was saying um, to me when we were discussing this actually at half time in the the eighteen ninety five cup final. How about um, they should make the summer bash a decider because uh, Lee meet Featherston again at that and uh, they could have made that for two league points and the 1895 Cup which might have been quite fun but yeah. they didn't come down to it um, Lee were the better team in the, the second half but uh, I just thought that was that was a little amusing aside and in the main game um, we had an unusual opening in which Huddersfield led before they'd actually got their hands on the ball which I don't know if that's ever happened in um, yeah. in a Challenge Cup final before. They kicked off. Um, Wigan were penalised in their first set for obstruction in possession, and um, and Tuilola here kicked the penalty, so it was two nil, and Huddersfield um, hadn't even had a set in possession yet. So that was uh, that was quite unusual as well. Well, definitely because it, it would have been very rare at that stage in, in in a game, wouldn't it? If if you just kicked off, you'd probably run run the penalty anyway, wouldn't you? You wouldn't think I'll get pot two points at this stage. There's still seventy nine minutes to go or whatever. Uh, so you, you're probably right. It probably is. Uh, very, well, certainly in the modern game, I know in the in the old days when there was more kicking and, and more penalties taken at goal. Uh, you know, I'm I'm sure it may well have happened in the past, but it's. Still very unusual, uh, an unusual thing to happen. Um, probably one for future pub quizzes or something, that, I think. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, an interesting start, that. Because, uh, you know, as, as we say, most of the time, you know, they would just view that as a chance to go on the town. That, that just to bring me to one final point about it. I did, I did worry at times in the second half when Huddersfield were sitting back a little bit, shall we say, and perhaps trying to preserve what they've got, that it might come back and haunt them uh, instead of maybe going for the jugular. But, you know, it's understandable in the circumstances as well. They thought they could see it out, um, get into an arm wrestle and keep wigging away. Uh, but fortunately, it didn't work out for them ultimately. And just looking ahead quickly then to uh, this weekend, Peter, uh, Three big games again involving our teams. You've already touched on Casa playing Wigan on Saturday afternoon. Unusually, uh, afternoon kickoff there. Warrington versus Leeds on Friday night, and uh, my team Wakey v Hull on Sunday. Yeah, big games really. Yeah. Um, I think I think Cass will beat Wigan. I think they've got Wigan at exactly the right time, as I as I mentioned, um, six uh, seven days after the the cup final um, teams often um, rest players coaches rest players 
in those situations. Obviously, it's tough for players to to get their minds back on um, on the league. And I, I think the way Cass have been very inconsistent this year, up and down. But I think they'll beat Wigan. Um, Leeds against Warrington's a really pivotal game. I think in in Leeds this season because they're they're actually nearer the top six now than the bottom of the table in terms of points. Um, and if they can win this one, they're 10th, Warrington are 8th, um, just one point between them. They'll go above Warrington. I think if they can do that, Leeds will fancy their chances of getting into the top six at the end of the year. I think if they lose, it'll be very difficult for them. I, can't, I don't see Leeds getting relegated this year. I think they'll they'll comfortably avoid that. But I think if they are going to get in the top six, they need to be winning games like this one, big pressure games away from home against a decent team. I know Warrington aren't going well, but they are a decent team. They played a lot better against Saints last time out and um, they'll also be seen as a key game. So I think that's going to be a really interesting contest. Obviously, there'll be a lot of interest focused on um, Blake Austin on his return to Warrington. Wonder what sort of reception he'll get from the uh, from the Warrington fans. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, Leeds, I mean, if Leeds play to the potential, they're capable of winning it, but they're going to have to improve significantly from the way they've been playing recently. Even in the games they've won, um, they've won four games this year. They beat Hull KR, who were a week out from a Challenge Cup semi-final and, and didn't really have their minds on, on the job. They've beaten... Wakefield, who were second from bottom twice, and Toulouse, who were bottom. So I think Leeds um, need to show they mean business, really, and, and beat a team who are above them yeah. in the table. Um, and Wakefield Hall, anything could happen. Wakefield's form so poor, they desperately need to to pick up some points from somewhere and to end this losing run. But Hull have been a bit more consistent this year than... Um, some past seasons, they they beat Wigan last time out, and I, I think having won already at Wakefield once this season, I think you'd probably fancy them to uh, to continue Wakefield's poor run. Although I do feel if Wakefield get their act together, they're they're a match for most teams. Um, but again, that they were poor against Leeds, and they're going to need a huge amount of improvement to get anything out of that um, out of that game. Yeah, I'd agree with you, Peter. I think uh, my I'm clinging to the hope that Hull have been in great form and, and have been particularly at home and been playing well and obviously beaten Wake already, as you pointed out. Wake have been absolutely dreadful. And so it's kind of teed up for a, a shock Wakefield win just just when we think that Hull have finally got over this mad inconsistency they seem to have every season. That's about the only thing I can cling to, really, that Wakefield can maybe... They've had a couple of weeks off and they can maybe... Uh, scrap out a win and, and kick on again and find some of the form that they were showing back in March and early April uh, before they went on this disastrous run they seem to be stuck in at the moment. Uh, certainly nobody, I don't think, will be really expecting Wakefield to win, although over the years Hull have been one of the teams that have proved capable of beating both home and away. And uh, it really is time that they could do that again. Uh, as you say... Uh, we've spoken again a few times on here to lose don't look brilliant away from home but I certainly expect them to win a few at home and so therefore Wakefield have got to match that they've got to start winning at home even if they can't do it away and uh, the game against Hull I think is a is a good chance to maybe try and catch 
pull out and get an unexpected victory, which they give the whole club a fillip. Uh, Cass and Wigan, again, agree with you. I think Wigan will have had a... They'll be thinking of this week as one to, to get past and then start again seriously the following week. Uh, I think it's a nice time for Cass to play them. Cass have had a bit of a break. Uh, I think they lost to Salford, did they, the last time out? So, again, they'll be looking for more consistency in the second half of the season. Uh, certainly need that if they're going to get into the playoffs. And I'm sure it's a game Lee Radford will have had in mind, targeting for a win for a while. And again, it, with Leeds, it depends which Leeds turn up. You know, Certainly, they've had a poor first half to the season. They've got a new coach and he's had another two weeks with them uh, to sort of get his message across and try and show them the way that he wants them to play. Uh, Warrington being very hit and miss under Daryl Powell and already some of the signings that they made, obviously planning and looking ahead to next season. So depends which Leeds turns up. They're, they're certainly capable of beating Warrington. Uh, but it's, it, you know, again, a time for the talking to stop really now with Leeds. As you say, they've beaten the other poor teams around them, but they're, if they're going to do anything at all this season now, there's no distractions. They've got to, to get on and start producing it on the pitch. I think they're capable of, of winning. I think probably a tight game there as well. Uh, so hopefully uh, a bit more cheer next week for us. <laughs> well, let's hope so. We haven't had much of it this season, have we? We haven't really, no. Um, yeah, so uh, obviously our, our tips usually uh, <laughs> aren't always the greatest either. So let's hope we can tip some correct ones this week as well. And on that uh, point, Peter, I think we'll... Call it time there. Um, thank you again for your comments and insight. Much appreciated as always. My weekly reminder that you can get the very latest rugby league news from Peter's Twitter handle at PetersmithYEP from the Yorkshire Evening Post website at yorkshireeveningpost.co.uk as well as the Yorkshire Post's own website, yorkshirepost.co.uk and the Yorkshire Post Twitter handle at YP Sport and of course the Evening Post at YEP Sports does too. Uh, this podcast is also available on Apple and Spotify, Anchor and other platforms and is generally available with most rugby league stories on the website too. So you can always find us somehow. So for now, thanks a lot for listening and we'll hopefully be back soon.